Little Philip was a, was a third grader. He was in a, a, enrolled in a third grade Sunday school class, and he was surrounded by many other eight-year-old boys and girls. But unlike the rest of the eight-year-olds in his class, Philip wasn't like them. You see, Philip was born with Down syndrome. And over time, the class had come to care for Philip and accept him, but not fully. One Sunday, pretty close to Easter, the teacher, the Sunday school teacher, brought in a big plastic bag filled with the old leg pantyhose containers. Remember those? They looked like an egg and they were plastic. She brought them in empty and she handed one to each one of the students in his class and said, here are your instructions. I want you to take this egg out into the courtyard and I want you to go out and find something that represents to you new hope and new life and put it in that egg and then come back into the classroom and we'll discuss your findings. So after running a muck through the church courtyard for about 15 to 20 minutes, they all gathered back in and handed all their eggs back into the teacher and were sitting there with great anticipation to discover what each person had found. And one by one, the teacher opened the eggs, and some of them had butterflies in them, and, and others had little lilies, uh, leaves, and some of them had brand new shoots of grass. No matter what she revealed, the reaction was always the same. There was a bunch of oohs and ahs out of these little eight-year-olds until the teacher got to the last egg. And she opened it to reveal nothing. The egg was empty. When somebody saw that in the class and a voice raised from the back and said, well, that's stupid. Somebody didn't do their assignment. And at that moment, little Philip's hand went up in the air and said, that was my egg. Which elicited a response from somebody else and said, come on, Philip, can't you ever do anything right? You were supposed to go out and put something in the egg that, that represents new hope and new life. And Philip cried back out, top of his lungs, I did do it right. I know I did it right. The tomb was empty. Suffice it to say that the class got really quiet, and the teacher was moved to tears. And from that point on, the class had learned a valuable lesson that day, that this kid who they couldn't move past the differences from because he wasn't like them had pointed out something great. Well, it wasn't too much longer after that instance that little Philip passed away. Passed away from a common cold, a cold that most kids would be able to shrug off. But his little immune system couldn't handle it. And so the day of his funeral, where his little coffin lay up by the altar, all the kids from his class came down one by one with his teacher. Each one of them carrying an empty plastic egg, laying it on the coffin to represent the hope and the new life that little Philip had. You know, I'm, I'm never short of amazed when it comes to our own human rationale and how we view other people and our perspectives compared to others. How often in the midst of challenges and trials do we misplace our hope? How often do we think of new hope in terms of this life right here on earth? You know, we think of new life as a, a new start to the life lived on earth. Maybe it's moving beyond a current job situation or overcoming a health situation or getting out of a messy relationship. Maybe it's picking our families up and moving to a different state because we just need a fresh beginning. You know, as Christians, though, 
our hope in life and the hope for a new life lies beyond this earthly life and sits firmly in the kingdom of God. But it takes faith to see that. To live out our lives with that hope within us. Consider the faith of little Philip, that third grader who had Down syndrome. Philip saw the emptiness of the tomb as a hope for a new life. Consider the faith of God's servant Job. This is what God says to Job in the beginning of of the book of Job. He says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Now, we all know the story of Job. You know, of how Satan was allowed to test Job and how, how Job had everything taken short of his own life away from him. He lost his possessions and his family and his house. Job, who sat, figuring he did something wrong, sat in a burlap sack covered in ashes. Job, whose friends came and sat with him from seven days in silence, who sat with him in conversation trying to figure out what beset Job, only to turn on Job in the end. Job, who came to the conclusion, finally, that he was just in an unjust situation and shook his fist angrily and mildly at God. Blaming God for the whole thing. But even Job, whose faith was solid, even Job's faith began to crack. That's what sin does. That's what Satan does. Satan gets into our lives and and tries to separate us from the hope that we have in God. Someone once said that the greatest trick that Satan ever played on the world was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. That's sin, though, and that's our lives. But amidst it all, right in the midst of everything that Job was doing, even as he shook his fist at God and railed against him for all the things that beset him, Job does something unusual. I mean, we find that in today's Old Testament lesson. It kind of, to be honest with you, took me by surprise. This is what Job says. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. I find it unusual because just a few chapters prior to this one, Job seemed to make it sound like there was no hope here on earth or after death. Now, to be fair, I'm not sure that there really was a resurrection theology back in the days of Job. I'm not sure what they believed. Maybe they believed that Whatever happened on on earth was it. But here, you go back to chapter 14, and here's what Job says. For there is a hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last, and where is he? As waters fall from a lake and a river washes away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, he will not wake or be roused from his sleep. He makes it seem like there's nothing, like there's nothing there until now. Job finally comes to his senses, finally puts it all together and figures out where hope and sureness and life really lies. He comes to that conclusion, and upon his repentance at the end of the book of Job, God takes him on a whirlwind tour of the world, shows him everything, and then Job utters these words at the very end. 
I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. That's what faith does. It recognizes where hope in life lies. It's a faith that can only come, though, from being in a relationship with God. Think about Job. Job, who on one hand said those words, I know my Redeemer lives, while on the other hand he's shaking his fist at God and railing against him. Well, even when he's railing against God, he's having a conversation with him. If you want to think of it in those terms, he's not broken that relationship. He doesn't sit in silence. And consider Mary, who's able to move beyond the empty tomb today because she sees Jesus. Mary, who came to the tomb expecting to find Jesus' body laying there so that she can prepare him for burial, but finds an empty tomb and begins to weep. But it's her faith who recognizes the voice of Jesus calling her. Mary. Rabboni, she, she cries out. She sees Jesus, and now she's able to go and tell the disciples that she's seen Jesus, that he's alive and he's well. That's the faith that allows us to see God, to recognize our need for him, to see ourselves as sinners and people who can't find hope on their own, but that need God for hope and for life. You know, 10 weeks ago, I was asked to take part in, a, in our church-wide Bible study called Roots and Fruits. 10 weeks ago, I'm not going to lie to you, at the beginning of that Bible study, I wasn't sure where I was going to find, but I knew at that moment in time that I was lost. I was conflicted. I was overwhelmed with work and life and everything else. I was going through the motions of being a pastor and being a Christian. My heart really wasn't in it. And I was exhausted. And over the course of 10 weeks of being in fellowship with other people, through worship and being in deep study with his word, I'm energized. I'm excited about life again. I'm excited about the direction that God has taken us. Because I know from being in a relationship with him that he's walking with me every step of the way. That I'm not in emptiness I'm not walking alone, but God is walking with me. God is allowing me to see him, even in the midst of the challenges that continue to be in my life. But now how I handle those challenges are a lot different than I did 10 weeks ago. That's what a relationship with God will do. That's what faith does. So I ask you today, where do you look for hope? Where do you look for new life? What are you looking for in terms of hope and new life? Do you see an empty tomb today? Or do you see a new life? Many in this world would point to that empty tomb and say, well, that's just a sad end to another life in this world, and it's a void of all hope. But you know what? We're not gathered here for a funeral today. We're gathered here for a celebration of life the life of our Savior, the life of our risen Redeemer. We're here to celebrate not only that, we're here to celebrate the new life that we have because of Him. Our faith allows us to see that, to recognize where our hope in our life lies. And yeah, our faith will have moments throughout our lives where it's going to crack, where it's going to cause us to, to misplace our hope in everything. But God gives us strengtheners along the way. 
He gives us fellowship and worship. He gives us his word and holy communion to help bolster our faith and help move us forward, a faith that was begun in our baptisms. It's a faith that allows us, even in the midst of our trials and challenges in life, to raise our arms and our voices and cry out like Job, I know that my Redeemer lives. You know, you know what tomorrow is, aside from Easter? Anybody know? It's April Fool's Day, right? Well, guess what, Satan? Joke's on you. The tomb is empty. Because our Savior's risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. To God be all the glory. Amen.